Chester. You're listening to WCHE 1520, the Connor and Mark Show, 10 a.m. to 11. Good morning to everybody. Mark, good morning to you. How you doing, man? Dude, I'm doing well. It's uh, another great day here in Philadelphia. Um, all three teams getting a win last night and back to, I mean, I guess back-to-back nights where they've had the opportunity. So uh, pretty good here as a, uh, as a Philadelphia fan. Um, wish the Flyers could do this a little bit earlier in the season. But, um, you know, Sixers looking really good, taking care of business like we discussed on, on previous shows. And the Phils just getting it done yesterday, which was fantastic to watch. So yeah. overall doing pretty well. Yeah, we're going to take a dive into the Phillies and, and their dominant win yesterday. We said that they had to set the tone on the road uh, for just a long, extended road trip going all the way to the middle of May, and they've really set the tone last night with a 12-2 victory over the, uh, the division rival, the Atlanta Braves. Also, the Flyers, even though their season is done and over, uh, they've already been officially eliminated from the postseason. They do get a win last night and also a debut from uh, top prospect Cam York last night, which was uh, pretty exciting. I think some excitement uh, for Flyers fans as this season is going to dwindle down to the end. But um, really, it comes down to the Philadelphia 76ers last night. They, they faced a really uh, de- depleted New Orleans Pelicans team without their stars Ion Williamson without uh, you know their second guy Brandon Ingram and, and it was still went down to the wire but uh, you know great teams find a way to win even though that uh, they run into predicaments like this and they got the win last night and now they're uh, three games away from clinching the uh, first spot in the Eastern Conference and and I know Joel Embiid last night who spoke to the media after the game he said uh, you know he was actually scratched early on in this game or early on the yesterday's game but uh, he decided to play and when he was asked about that he said uh, we want to get that number one seed and, and they make that a vital importance to uh, to the team itself, and, and and they're really that close to it. And, and this team is really one of the best Sixers teams we've seen since that 2001 uh, NBA Finals team with Allen Iverson and, and Eric Snow. And, and I think this team's probably better than that. It's more talented. Now, whether or not they actually make a run to the NBA Finals is, is the major question. But having that number one seed, though, it's going to help them really well going a long way, especially against you know good teams at Eastern Conference like the Bucks and the Nets. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like you just said, there, great great teams find a way to win. But even, you know, players find a way to elevate their teams to wins. And, and, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this, but Joel Embiid's stat line last night was just unbelievable. 37 points, 13 rebounds, 3 assists. And the most important stat of all to me, Connor, is 12 for 12 from the free throw line. So, uh, big game there from Embiid. And and to hear him say that, um, you know, playing a a team like the New Orleans Pelicans, who are obviously way out of the playoff race, um, their two biggest stars are done for the season, obviously, again, because their team is is not going to the postseason. To hear him step up and, and say that before now in May, all of these things really coming together um, and, and the talent on this team. It's great to watch. Uh, it's promising to hear, and, and hopefully they can really um, pull this all together, use all the talent they have on this team because it is just filled with talent um, from top to bottom and, and go into a very um, you know tough Eastern Conference first-round matchup they're probably going to find themselves in. So, again, they're going to have to take this approach into the first round. Um, it's not going to be easy, and they can't lay down to anybody, um, as we've seen in the past years. Um, and, and they have a great opportunity if they can keep this momentum and this mentality moving forward. Yeah, and the 76ers, obviously, they play tonight as well. They're going to be playing the Detroit Pistons. Obviously, they're not a very good team. They're 20-47. They'll be playing tonight at 7 o'clock. But that's uh, the start of this uh, run of games to the end of the regular season as we look at the rest of the schedule here. The 76ers, like, they play, like I said, they play the Pistons tonight. Uh, on Tuesday, they'll be playing Indiana. Uh, in Indiana, they'll be playing the Pacers. Then they'll be finish up their road schedule this year in Miami against the Heat. That's going to be their last remaining tough game in my opinion. Uh, and then they finish up the season on the back-to-back homestand with, uh, against the Orlando Magic, which is uh, uh, another team that's really young and depleted and, and obviously on the bottom of the standing. So, like I said, the 76 are three wins away or uh, just three games away really. It, it also, uh, a Nets loss or a Bucks loss would help them on the stretch of the season. But they're right there and this team's really good, man. I think that uh, when we looked at that 2018 team that went to the Eastern Conference semifinals, they had a lot of talent in that starting lineup, but they're really depleted on the bench. And I can't say the same thing about this team. I think that once you have Dwight Howard coming off the bench, um, George Hill, Batiste Stiebel, Shake Milton, um, you have a lot of guys coming off the bench who can play uh, compared to that 2018 team that came pretty close to the Eastern Conference final. But um, I think this team is all around a much better team. Also, with the centerpiece of Joel Embiid being the, uh, at the peak of his career right now. Oh, by far having the best year, and, and you got to mention a little Mikey Scott there coming off the bench in the playoffs. I'm not high on Mike Scott, but <laughs> <laughs> might might hit some big threes for us. But um, no, I totally agree. That is a great point, and and really in this league, you know, bench depth is I think a, a little undervalued. 
And I think the Sixers did a really good job of making sure they have a strong bench going into this postseason. We've seen, you know, previous postseason runs where that's been an issue for them. Um, you know, the the other team finds a way to scheme for Embiid and, and Simmons, and the Sixers really didn't have much else uh, below there. And, and you know, this year now they have Milton and, and like you said, Cork, uh, I'm sorry, not Cork, Moss, Theibel, um, Howard, and, and these guys coming off the bench that can really play um, and compete for this team. So uh, really looking good. And, and I think one of the biggest things that we're forgetting here, Connor, that, that makes a huge difference is also the coaching staff heading in uh, to this playoff. Obviously, Doc Rivers has had a lot of coaching ex- or a lot of playoff coaching experience under his belt, um, getting that win and getting the championship uh, in Boston. So um, I'm going to be interested to see how that works out and, and see how, you know, he handles these guys going into the playoffs, being Embiid and Simmons, um, how he uses them, because that's going to be a huge piece. Obviously, we've discussed on this show um, regular season basketball in comparison to playoff basketball are two completely different things. So um, that's going to be the biggest challenge for Doc Rivers here, I believe, uh, to, to find a way to, to get it done here in an Eastern Conference um, that the Sixers have a really good shot of coming out of. Yeah, and I think Doc Rivers has something to prove as well. I think, uh, listen, he, he came up short last year with uh, the Clippers and, and falling short in the game, uh, game seven. Uh, and I think he has a lot to prove. I think the 76ers roster has a lot to prove, but, um, you know, it really, they've made a, a point coming into this year. And I think a lot of people are a lot more optimistic about the team, obviously with Daryl Morey coming in and Doc Rivers coming in and the roster changed the mold around their two stars with Ben and Joel. And I think it's really come to fruition this year, seeing how talented this team is. But looking at the 76ers tonight, like I said, they'll be playing the Pistons. Also a game to watch tonight, uh, if you're interested about seeding and where the could go. I know it's a late start, but uh, the Nets will be taking on the Denver Nuggets in Denver at 10 o'clock. The Nets are a four-point favor, which I, I'm a little surprised by because the Nets are on a little bit of a, uh, a spell here. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the Nets are a pretty good team, or the Nuggets are a pretty good team as well. They're at 44-23, so I don't think that's going to be an easy one. Um, so if you're looking at the standings and where this could fall for the 76ers uh, in the next couple of weeks, it looks like the 76ers dead set on that first spot in the East. And look at the rest of the standings. We, we won't really know right away who the Sixers will play in the first round because of the whole play-in tournament. Uh, the Celtics right now are currently slotted in that playoff tournament. The Hornets are, the Pacers, and the Wizards. So a lot of moving parts on the bottom end of that seating. And, and, and really, it's gonna. I know it's going to make for exciting um, you know, a couple of days of TV for the NBA, but uh, it, you got to be frustrated if you're the Celtics or the Hornets, if, in my opinion. But Yeah, I mean, and, and again, even down there, you got the Wizards, who are 7-3, and three, I believe, in their last 10. Bradley Beal just heating up. Uh, Russ Westbrook with, with a few triple-doubles. So some good teams in that play-in tournament. And, and again, to my point of coming into these playoffs is, you know, the first round matchup, most likely if unless you're playing the Hornets or the Pacers, um, it may be an easier matchup. I don't want to call it an easy matchup, um, but if you're playing the Celtics or the Wizards, you're going to have have a pretty good uh, first round matchup on your hands. And you're definitely going to have to be prepared um, heading into that series as, as the Sixers were swept last year by the Celtics in, in four games. So how about the Knicks and Knicks in round four? Hey, That's man. pretty impressive, man. I would, I would never guess the Knicks would be number four right now. Their defense, I, I'm pretty sure. I don't watch a lot of Knicks games. Uh, not a huge guy on the Knicks or, or you know, watch a lot of, uh, like I said, them playing. But um, I believe that, that the reason they're slotted there is their, their defense. And uh, I think their offense just has to pick it up a little bit. But they have some young, talented guys there. Obviously, R.J. Barrett. Um, and then you got some older guys like, you know, Julius Randle and, and Derek Rose. Um so it yeah, it's a pretty crazy dynamic over there in New York and, and how they're sitting in fourth um is, is kinda beyond me, but good for them and, and they're going to the playoffs. First time I believe since twenty twelve when yeah. Mello was there. I know, it's, it's, it's a very long time. 610-701-9243 if you want to call and get involved. We'll be talking obviously a lot of 76ers today. Also Phillies, we'll be talking with Brendan Ricciardi who uh, has a, a Phillies podcast called Breaking the Bank on Delco Media Group. You can uh, follow that on Delco Media Group at Delco Media BTB. We'll have them on around 1030. Also we'll break down the Flyers as their season's coming to a wrap. And also the Eagles who made a waiver claim for Kerryon Johnson running back out of uh, Detroit. That's a pretty interesting name. We'll take a look at the where he's slotted in on that running back room and, and what the dynamic could add there because I know he's been injury riddled but he is a pretty talented player. Oh, very talented. He had he had a great career at Auburn, and um, you know, again, injuries are are sometimes the main factor. Uh, you know, a player's career doesn't pan out quite to where it is expected to be, but um, you know, great guy to bring in. Maybe a change of scenery does him well, and and will give this uh, running back room here in Philadelphia a little bit of depth. All right, it's ten ten. Connor and Mark show. I'll be right back.
1012 here on the Connor and Mark Show. Always I'm Mark Rogers. I'm Connor Gabe. Bringing in a second segment. Talking a little uh, Philadelphia sports today. All three teams got the win last night, Mark. It's it's uh, finally Philadelphia sports is back. I'm pretty happy about that. But uh, <laughs> for the day, for, for the, the day. day, yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll go to the phones right now because uh, we're gonna go to Ryan in Harrisburg. Ryan, what's going on, buddy? How you guys doing today, Ryan? I'm doing well, buddy. Thanks for giving us a call. Yeah, so, I mean, how about them Phillies, man? I mean, a little streaky right now. It looks like uh, center field position might be given to a duel right now. Segura just comes back into the lineup and gets four hits. Like, he just didn't miss a beat. And, you know, if this team can continue just to get the production out of Eflin, Nola, and uh, Wheeler, I think this team can go on a run and make some ground in this division That's what that started off very, very weak. And uh, me personally, I was at the game on Thursday. And the performance by Wheeler, that, that was something really, really neat to see in person. And just to have fans back in the bank was awesome to see. Yeah, it was really cool. The dynamic, uh, I think, the starting pitching this year has been really good. I think we've had, obviously, we've Noah and Wheeler coming into this was, a, I think, a given. Uh, but obviously, F1 last night, really pitching a really good game as well, really helps. And, and really just comes to that back end, uh, if he can sure up. I know Vince Velasquez had a really good game last time. He's going to be on the mound tonight. But uh, if they could find maybe one more starter, I don't think it's hard to find, obviously, five starters who are really talented and really good. But if you find one more and can maybe have four or five who can at least go six to seven on a regular basis, I think that's really going to help this team propel themselves to a, a September, October t- uh, you know type baseball. I know it's early on, but it's, there's a lot to be excited about Ryan with this team so far. Yeah, no, no, I, I really agree with uh, what, what you had to say right there, Connor. And just uh, overall, I mean, I, I think for my, my concern heading into the postseason and this postseason stretch that they're obviously on track to make in late September is this bullpen. I mean, it's going to be hopefully Vince can go five, six innings tonight um, and, you know, keep us in this ball game, But I feel like we're really going to have to use this bullpen a lot on this nine-game stretch of road games. And if this bullpen can just stay average and we can, you know, be in the in these games, I think really we can just get on this lead and then start start worrying about other teams outside of our, our division, so we can just make ground. Yeah, I mean, I agree, and, and thanks again for the call, Ryan. But um, I totally agree. I think that obviously putting some wins together here in the past five games, they're, they're five and zero, oh, and that's really what they've been looking for. Uh, just gaining a little consistency. Again, it's a it's a very long season, um, so early on you take it slow, but uh, really good to see them gain some traction and, and really kick around a. a divisional opponent like the Braves last night. Uh, but yeah, I agree. I think I think Velasquez obviously coming off a of last start only uh I believe going five and, and a half or so or five and two thirds. Um you know, again, we're going to be looking at him tonight. Five, six. Can he do that without giving up uh, too many runs or or too many walks? So, um, you know, that is the biggest thing. I, I believe that Dombrowski is going to go out at the deadline, and and I, you know, I firmly believe that they're going to be at this position when the deadline comes around um, in first or second place. He's going to go try to get another starter, but I really think they're in a good position right now. Uh, the bullpen obviously is the biggest question, but uh, you know, we'll see what happens with that. And and I think this nine game road trip is really going to give this team and identity when they're finished. Ryan, prediction tonight, what happens? Uh, the second game, Vince Vlasic is on the mound. What do you think happens tonight? Uh, if they can get out early and Vince can hold this lead and keep this uh, this talented Braves roster in check to maybe two or three runs and give us six innings, I really like our chances to win this ball game. Just because of, the, of how deep this lineup is, uh, you can easily flip it. I mean, Segura easily could be batting first in this lineup, but he's batting sixth or seventh. Same with Didi, et cetera. So, I mean, we got the bats rolling. If Vince can give us six innings and allow maybe two to three runs, I really like our chances to win. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we sweep them with having Nola, Nola going on the mound on Sunday night. All right, Ryan. I appreciate the call, Ryan. Thanks again. Yep. Yeah, so I know 610-701-9243 if you guys want to call and get involved. we got a couple lines. I agree with the point you made on Dave Dabrowski about uh, uh, being aggressive at the deadline. He's been known to be aggressive, you know, obviously with the Red Sox he was previously at. But, yeah, I think it's really early on to say where this team's going to be, but I always hold out and say, listen, we'll know by July where this team uh, sites are and where they could be around that type uh, of date. But it's good to see the bats finally get alive. I know we've been clamoring on when these guys are going to start uh, hitting at a, a, you know, a high rate, and they hit really well last night where they have like 16 hits so uh, yeah. they, they did a really good job and having Gene Skura back in the lineup I know that sometimes he can be frustrating but uh, when he's on he's on and, and he's, he just attacks his strike zone so well and he can really um, 
find ways to get base hits and stuff like that. And, and I know Duval got a home run last night. He's been a very controversial figure for the past couple of years with the Phillies, but he found, uh, he, listen, he's probably the most talented guy you can have in center field. Um, I know that we've talked about Nick Maton maybe playing center field. And I know he's been really good so far at second base, but you know, you're not going to be able to playing for Gene Segura right now. I just don't think he's a better player than Gene Segura, but uh, maybe if, uh, you know, if he's comfortable in center field, I know JJ already brought it up in some press conferences, you can have him and Oduble going back and forth. I think that'd be a pretty good one too, heading into the season. Hopefully that can hold through, uh, you know, throughout all the way to uh, the trade deadline if they feel like they have to make a move, uh, which, you know, they could. We'll see what happens, but, um, you know, I would like to see them definitely make a move for pitching. I think pitching is going to be really important, especially in October. So, uh, but, you know, if center field really that big of an issue until then, which it could be. I'm, I'm not putting it down, but I still think that pitching is going to be more important at that time. I agree, and, and I know this is going to be a you know probably a not popular point here or take, but I mean, I, I want to see Moniak get a little more involved in, in the center field role. I, I know he only has, I believe, two hits this year, and one of them uh, being his first home run, but this kid's young. Uh, it takes a lot of development for, for a major league ball player to be ready and, and obviously coming in Philadelphia it's not easy uh, being the number one overall pick a lot of you know uh, assumptions and predictions and how his career is so far but um, I think right now he's young he's obviously not you know a starting center fielder in this in this league but when they're juggling this revolving door of, of center fielders and trying to figure out who they can put there I think you got to give Moniak a few looks there at center field and you know get him a little taste of the MLB and, and see if he can be um, you know a center fielder for you uh, in the future as this is probably going to be a, a long-term um, you know equation for the Phillies to solve. Yeah, I agree. And Joe Jigolo, uh, uh, who does WIP for, he does, the, I think, the late uh, night show yeah, WIP. Late, yeah, yeah he tweeted out a quote that said, whenever the alignment, the bottom line would be Dave Dombrowski's going all in on the NL East this year, winnable for the Phillies team despite uh, or desperate to advance. So, I mean, this I think this organization is desperate, and I'm, I'm not surprised, obviously, this team hasn't been in the they playoffs. Be. Yeah, they, they haven't been in the playoffs since 2011, so it's been a very long time of uh, that, that taste for playoff baseball. And, and we're seeing... Um, we're seeing, I think it's very realistic to think that in October, if the Phillies aren't going to make the playoffs, which I'm really hoping that we're going to have a full crowd in Cincinnati Park. Because last night, they were in Atlanta, and there's a full crowd there. Dude, so, that was crazy. I, know, I was watching the game. It was I'm great like, to see. I, um, I was, it was, it's insane. Yeah, it was great to see, I thought. And I think that, uh, I, I think realistically, what, it'll be October, so we're, what, in... We're in May. I always lose track. So, yeah, we're in May. I always lose we're track of months. So, we're in May. So... Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think by October, we could definitely see the Philadelphia Phillies, you know, having... I think that by the summer, I think the, the numbers will definitely be increased for Sense Bank Park. You know, it's outside, warm weather, stuff like that. So, I think the Phillies... Uh, I think the Phillies will definitely, by October, have a, a full crowd. And I think that that would be really cool for for a team that has not made the postseason in a very long time to have that type of atmosphere at the ballpark late in October. Uh, hopefully trying to make a run. I mean, you know, I, I don't have World Series aspirations for this team, but I think that we definitely want to see at least the playoffs series, and an LDS appearance will be something uh, to see, and I think it'll be very exciting. But it was cool to see last night. It was, it was cool to see the crowd and the environment fully back. I think the players are probably ecstatic to see it as well, and I think that uh, it'd be really cool for the Bank Park to be approaching that as well. Dude, this full park uh, thought here is really getting you going. I know. Talking about some World Series aspirations, and, and I'll, no, I, I'm, I'm, only la- I'm only joking, but no, I agree. This team really, from top to bottom, this lineup and even this bench, I mean, look at look at Nap. He gives you some produ- production off the bench. Yeah, you got obviously Maton, who's who's been a pleasant surprise this year. Bamboo. Ba- <laughs> Yeah. Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. I feel bad. I probably should have brought him up first. Yeah. Brad Miller just swinging the stick, really good, looking good at the Matt plate. Joyce a little bit gives you a little it, pop. Joyce gives you a little pop, but but basically my point is they got a pretty good bench and a little better than years have passed. Obviously they they haven't made the playoffs in almost ten years, but um, you know I think this team really has an opportunity. Now the biggest thing is the consistency, and and they're off to this five and zero now in the past five, the sweep at the Brewers and and the Braves. Now the biggest thing for this team is going to be building on it. Can they take this in a deep season? And obviously another huge concern of this team is once we get into September, normally the the wheels fall off the bus a little bit for this team. And they got to find a way to keep their heads on straight moving in to late August into September. Um, because in my opinion, this is going to be a battle for the division all the way into September. No, I agree. 610-701-9243. 610-701-9243. we got a couple lines available. Yeah, and the Phillies, listen, 
going into the stretch here, like we said, the road games were the problem, and obviously winning on the road was an issue, but they made a statement last night. I think that was a huge statement. Uh, they will be obviously playing tonight as well with Vince Velasquez on the mound, and I think Ian Anderson's going to be on the mound for the Braves. Um, but yeah, I think that you got Braves now, and they got the Washington Nationals. So I don't think they're a great team. You got three games down in, in D.C., and then you uh, go, I think, down to Florida to play the Toronto Blue Jays. I feel where they play. It's like Doreen or something like that. I'm pretty sure it's like a spring training park. Yeah, it's their spring training park. And I think think by a certain date, they're going to be moving up to Buffalo and finishing their season there. Back to their AAA where they played last year. Yeah, they'll be playing in Buffalo to finish off the season. So, um, yeah, they got three, you know, series against them. Uh, I think think it's three against the Nationals, three against them, and then they come back home. I believe they play the The Marlins. And then the Sox. And then in the Red Sox, might be going to that. Might be going to that. I don't know. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, it's it's really um, it, it was a really a statement win last night. And and even with Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins, they're two big guys in the middle lineup having you know down nights. They still found a way. Didi Gorius, Al Bone, JT Romuto, Gene Scoro, Dubo Herrera, uh, McCutcheon. Uh, it really just the, the hit timely hits, and that was the biggest thing. I think they just when they get runners in scoring position, they just don't uh, you know get timely hits and. And be able to drive those runs in. And that first inning, they really set the tone with six runs in the first inning and chasing Charlie Moore and out. He didn't even finish one inning. So that really set the tone. And once that happened, I think that the Braves were down and out and they're going to make a, a comeback. So they, and they kept steadily, or steadily adding to their, to their run lead. They get like one run there, another run there and keep them at a distance. So they really played well last night. It was pretty impressive. So they really set the tone. Yeah. I mean, just, just picking up on your point there of, of, I don't want to call lower level production, but just obviously not the top tier guys. I mean, you look at Harper and you look at Hoskins. They're the two guys that you look for most of your offense. But, um, you know, just to your point, I mean, look at JT three for five. Boom, starting to get a little hotter. Um, you know, two for five had an, uh, two RBIs. Uh, you go to Segura, obviously had a monster game on the return. The big two, two, um, the two run uh, double. Sorry, I can't can't talk this morning. Um, and going four for five. So just just great play all over. I mean, again, a double with the big home run. Um, and and that team and this team did get timely hits last night. Um, so if this team can produce like this and and with this lineup, they really should. It's just so much pop and so much different things that this lineup does well that builds off of each other. Um, I think if they continue this and and again the the bullpen is the biggest question on this team. I think even bigger than the center field um, position if they can stay average and they can keep this team and you know not below leads and keep them in ball games I think this team has a, has a real good shot and the pleasant surprise on the other side is is Archie Bradley so um, hopefully yeah, when he gets back him. in the mix from the oblique injury he can really come and and really grab this this bullpen um, and, and lead it uh, you know for the rest of the season hopefully stay healthy is Alvarado suspended he's done right his suspension's done yeah, he's done. Yeah, yeah he's done. He's yeah. back at throwing at guys. There, there you go. Just missing the zone, throwing a hundred and two. <laughs> can't even see it. He doesn't have the zone. Though. He's he's a, he's wild, man. But he's has so much stuff. It's like it, it really is impressive. He is like uh, like a Mitch Williams out there. He has wild stuff, but <laughs> he's got to contain him a little bit. I think if he, yeah. he I mean, obviously he's going to grow into it. But dude, he <laughs> some nights he's impressive. Some nights he's very just, upsetting like, to watch. Yeah, but. I, I I'd rather. I mean, we've been clamoring for guys who could throw over 100 for a while in the bullpen, and, and I'm not gonna take this one for granted. I think he's really talented. I think he's a huge arm in that bullpen. Oh yeah, I mean, when you're throwing 102, man, it's well, I mean, it's gonna be some control stuff. They got Hector. Okay. I know a lot of people don't love him, but I like him a lot. He's someone who who, who constantly. With him, a horrible bullpen this organization has had. He's the one who always comes out of it and is always the guy who he's not a great bullpen guy, but he's a good. I think he's good. He's a good player. Uh, Real quick, I don't mean to cut you off. Did he throw a fifty pitch save the other night? Was it? He was forty, but yeah, 40, it was okay. a lot. It was a it lot was of a lot, yeah, because yeah. he wasn't available the next day. I remember. Yeah, so yeah, no, he's he's impressive, man. You have him. Okay, so we have Archie Bradley. He'll get back. He's good. You have Connor Brogdon. You have Jose Alvarado. Um, I like Jojo Romero. I think he's good. Um, you know, I, I don't love David Hale. Uh, I, I don't know why they like him a lot, but he pitched last night. I was hoping that he wouldn't blow that ten, you know, run a lead. And then you have Sam Coonrod. I like Sam Coonrod a lot. He's talented. So there's a lot of guys in this bullpen, man. I think they're really good. And I think they, if they add maybe like one or two lefties or something like that at the, the deadline, that'd be perfect. What about your your boy Brogdon? Are you still? No, yeah. Or did I, you say him? Yeah, I said, yeah, and I said no. He's really good. I he's, like Brogdon yeah, a lot. He's a good young arm. I know he got slapped around a little in the in the Giants game. Yeah, he's just gonna, yeah, sometimes, sometimes that happens. You know, yeah. it, it, you know, you're not Bradley. You're not gonna be perfect. 
Dolly or so. But I mean, well, Brad I think Lynch he said perfect the next well, year, He so. grew up a Giants fan, so he was a little starstruck, supposedly, is what he said. So he got starstruck. They slapped him around like it was nothing. So two, two three run home runs, leaving leaving curveballs hanging over the, the yeah. high end of the plate. I, I would say starstruck. I think every other appearance he's been really good. I, I can't think of like any other like glaring bad appearances from Brogdon, but uh, yeah, he's been really good, man. So 610-701-9243, 610-701-9243, call and get involved, a couple lines available. Uh, we're going to take a quick break here. On the other side, Brendan Ricciardi, Delco Media, Breaking the Bank, Phillies podcast. He covers the Phillies, got to break down the, the win last night, the series uh, wrapping up with the Braves and the road trip ahead with the Phillies, and also uh, his expectations for this team going forward. So, high expectations. Uh, is that what you heard from him? Oh, no, no. I'm just saying everyone has high expectations of the Phils right now. Oh, I have very high expectations. Uh, 1028 here, Connor and Mark Show. We'll be right back. Seventy-six Philadelphia Phillies. Alongside Mark Rogers, I'm Connor Gabe, and uh, we're bringing on Brendan Ricciardi. He is the host of Breaking the Bank. You can follow that on on Twitter, Delco Media BTB, a Delco Media Group. Brendan, good morning, man. How you doing? What's up, guys? Thanks so much for having me on here. I appreciate it. I'm glad a couple of Delco guys can uh, take over Chester County Radio. I love it. <laughs> oh yeah, man, and, and thanks again, Brendan. Really appreciate uh, you coming on. And, and obviously, just let's dive right into it. Fills off to a five, um, you know, five game win streak. They get the sweep uh, against the Bra- uh, the Brewers rather, and, and the Braves last night. Big win on the road. Uh, what do you make of this team so far? And, and do you think they keep up uh, this consistency? And, and who's impressed you the most, or, or who's maybe um, you know you're expecting a little more from? I think it all starts, honestly, with the rotation. You know, I think there's an argument to be made that we have the best one, two, three in the league. You know, Aaron Nola, Wheeler, and F1 have all been fantastic. The back end of the rotation is probably going to be the deciding factor there, but you kind of see some teams like when the Nationals won the World Series where you can win with having three really good starters because once you get in that series, no one wants to face you. Yeah, I do want to ask about the bullpen because it's not obviously as bad as last year, and and, and I don't know if we ever see a bullpen as bad as that. But uh, it's blue, it's been a little bit up and down. They obviously have some good arms, which Connor Brogdon, uh, Jose Alvarado has been something interesting. Uh, but what do you make of the bullpen so far? And, and do you think that this is a team that is definitely going to add some guys, maybe closer to the deadline if they need it? I think, like you guys said earlier, a lefty is much needed. You know. Jojo Romero hasn't been super consistent. You talked about Alvarado. He's just an absolute wild card. I love his energy. People don't really square him up that much. It seems like his biggest obstacle is honestly himself. But overall, I think we saw when everyone was healthy in the bullpen the first week or two of the season, you know, don't forget, they started off the season with 13 straight scoreless, waiting for Bradley to come back. Alvarado kind of needs to settle in. I've been really impressed with Sam Coonrod. You know, he had a 9.82 ERA in San Francisco last year. 1.23 in the same amount of innings this year. They got him for almost nothing. Yeah, I, I do want to ask uh, just a quick follow-up. Why, why do you think the organization loves David Hale so much? I think that he might be blackmailing Joe Girardi, to be completely <laughs> honest. There's just no reason he should be used in any close game like he had been. Like, the one screw-up with De Los Santos, that was like the lineup card issue. I yeah. guess that. That, was, that that one's on Girardi. Last night was very encouraging, but you just can't put him in any game that hasn't been decided yet. Yeah, and sticking on the bullpen real quick, uh, what, do you, what do you think of Archie Bradley? Obviously... We only got a quick glimpse of him at the beginning of the season, and this oblique injury seems to really be agging him, and, and it seems like his his return is is far out. But what do you make of him, and, and how big of an impact do you think he'll make to this bullpen when he returns? I think his confidence is, is one thing that they need. You know, they got a lot of young guys in there, a lot of guys that are still kind of, you know, reaping uh, off of what happened last year. Archie obviously wasn't here, so he kind of comes in, gives a breath of fresh air. He kind of did like the Harper thing where he kind of pleased the crowd. I really like that. He just brings stability. He has some experience as a closer, so on days where Naris can't go, you can put him out there. I think just having his presence back is just huge for everyone around him. Uh, Brendan, let's go to the offense. And, you know, this team has been up and down a little bit on the offense, been struggling a little bit, but last night they came out guns blazing, got 12 runs because the Braves really just knocked him out of the, you know, the park in the first inning. What do you make of the lineup, and, and what do you make of the back end of the lineup, obviously, with you know Gene Scora you know, and then Adubo Rare at that center field spot? Gene Segaris is a hit machine. I mean, he's just automatic out there. Didn't even miss a beat after coming off the injured list. I think, honestly, I think for me, it all starts with McCutcheon up there because you got a lot of guys behind him that can really drive in those runs. But if he's not on base, that's the problem there. And then you circle back as well with Alec Bohm. 
a lot of guys on base for him. Came out a little bit slow to the gate. He started to heat up a bit. We saw last year, like, this is basically the same offense that was top five in the league last year, except you're switching out the center fielder. So I still believe that they got plenty of time to get things going. Weather's starting to get warm, and it seems like it's all starting to come together. There isn't really too much shuffle in the order. Everybody kind of knows their spot, which is big. Yeah, and, and sticking to the lineup real quick, I, I'm interested to get your take on this, Brendan, because Connor and I were having this talk on the show last week, and and obviously, at you know, at one point, McCutcheon was really struggling at the top, and and to your point, you need those guys to get on like Kutch and, and the two guy who seems to be Hoskins. But do you like this one two with with McCutcheon and, and Hoskins, or would you change this up um, at the top of the order? So I talked with my co-host Drew Robinson about potentially moving Segura up there because the one thing that he's really improved on this year is his speed. Mm-hmm. I think last year, putting him up there in leadoff, he might have got on, but he wasn't able to do as much as he is now. He gets on base. He might not give you too many stolen bases, but you get him on first, you get a Hoskins single, he should be standing on third. So I think the fact that McCutcheon's starting to kind of heat up a little bit, I wouldn't change it yet. But if McCutcheon kind of reverts back to the early form, I could definitely see Segura going up there. So as of right now, the the Philadelphia Phillies are number one in the NL East. And the NL East has been a little bit sluggish. I mean, the Mets are one game over. The Marlins are a game under. Braves are two games under. And the Nationals are two games under. What do you think? What's your outlook on the NL East and where the Phillies stand in the division? It's weird because, like, the Mets are still hanging around there with Lindor just being absolutely awful. And the Braves have a lot of issues themselves. I think that on paper, we might have the most talented spot. I mean, you look at last year when the biggest issue, like we led in 49 out of 60 games and the bullpen blew it. The only team that had more leads in games than that was the Dodgers. So I think that if the bullpen's able to not even, they don't even have to be good. Just don't be terrible. Don't be historically bad. And I think that this is a very good team on paper. And I think people are going to start to realize that soon once they kind of start to mesh together and get healthy. Yeah. And, and Brendan, really appreciate you coming on the show today, man. Really good interview and, and great talking some fills. Um, before we let you go, I know you mentioned when we were talking about the Phillies push-up challenge. Um, and, and that seems like a really cool cause. I just wanted you to maybe speak on that a little bit and, and explain to our listeners uh, what that's all about. Yeah, sure. So uh, in February of 2018, this is actually five days after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. My 14-year-old cousin, Jake McHugh, passed away from his battle with with childhood cancer. And less than six months later, my aunt and uncle started a foundation in his honor called Jake's Dragon Foundation. So they're our sponsor for the show. And we wanted to do something with them that would help spread awareness to us both. So we started the Phillies Push-Up Challenge, where every time we win, we do the amount of push-ups for that number win on the year. So obviously, we're at 18 now. I'll be doing that video very shortly. It's only going to the All-Star break, but it's going to start to get tough. I'm really excited to do it, though. Brendan, uh, thank you so much for hopping on the show today. You can you can follow Breaking the Bank on Twitter at DougaMediaBTB, and thanks for breaking down that as well. Brendan, I uh, hope we can talk again sometime soon, and hopefully the Phillies uh, down the line make a run for the playoffs. We can talk again uh, about hopefully some playoff baseball. Yeah, thanks guys for some. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me on today. You guys are welcome to hop on Breaking the Bank anytime you want. Let me know. Awesome, man. Thanks. That was Brendan Ricciardi. You can follow him on Twitter on Breaking the Bank at Delta Media BTP. Great guy, man. He really gives some insight. Dude, really good. And and I really like his points. Um, you know about this bullpen and, and about really just the outlook of this team. Really had some uh, good knowledge on it. And and you know Archie Bradley again, a big guy that that we're kind of talking to, ho- talking about as hopefully he gets closer and closer to his return. Um, and and I really like this point about the confidence and, and him not being here last year and then him being out a little this year might even help him um, come back with just a clear mind um, of, of this baseball team and the rest of the season, which could be really big uh, for this bullpen, who's gotten a lot of work, it seems, um, here yeah. in the early going. Yeah, it's a lot. And he was keeping short and sweet, man. He gave us a lot of good information, obviously, not only on the bullpen, but the lineup and where he thinks of this roster is and, and really... Uh, I think he gave some really good insight on David Hale as well. I, I agree with that, the blackmail comment. I don't understand <laughs> why he keeps throwing him out there. Every game, it feels it. like. It's every game. In big spots, too. They're not like they're throwing him out there when the Phillies are up like 4-1 or something. And it's like one-run games are throwing him out there. I'm like, oh, my God. Okay, you can't have anybody else to throw out there. But, uh, yeah, it's um, – listen, I thought he gave a lot of good insight. And I think the Phillies are entering the stretch, man. It's important. I think this, this road series is really important to set uh, the precedent here where this team's going to be. Yeah, and, and, you know, I know you Ask me if I had any other questions. I really wish I got that one in because I did for, forget about that. But like I said earlier in the show, I think this nine-game road trip, and obviously they're off to a, the best start they can be, being 1-0 uh, here in the early going of the nine-game road set. But it's going to be big for this team. They've really got to get this road record over 500. Um, got to start putting some wins together. Obviously, the five uh, are huge, but they can't let it all um, revert and, and 
put five losses up on the board in a row, which, you know, on the road seems to be a, a trend that they have been uh, in the direction this year. So big Big uh, road series here for him. Uh, really going to set the identity of this team, in my opinion, um, for the months to come. And, and hopefully we're talking about some October baseball here with the Phils. No, I agree. All right, 610-701-9243. I'm actually going to take a quick break here and come back. We're going to talk Flyers, Eagles, and take some calls as well. We've got some lines available, so let me know. So 610-701-923. The Connor Mark Show. will be right back. Mark Show here, 1042. Mark Rogers, Connor Gabe. Uh, we're obviously talking to that Brandon Ricciardi on who covers the Phillies for breaking the bank. Uh, we're going to hit the phones though as well. We're going to go to Alex in downtown. Alex, what's going on, man? What's going on, Connor? Mark, how you guys doing? Alex, I'm doing well, buddy. Thanks for giving us a call. How are you this morning? Uh, I just woke up about 15 minutes ago, so I'm feeling great. <laughs> That's good, man. I'm glad you had the chance. The first thing you did in the morning was call us, so I like that. <laughs> uh, no, we must be important. The only thing I want to do. So, all right, so you want to break it down, Eagles? Oh, yeah, all the time. So, all right, so what do you think about the carry-on Johnson thing? Mm, well, I think it's good. Um, Howie always says, you know, they're not going to stop at anything to improve the roster whenever they can. So whenever they see um, – an opportunity, I think they take it, and they're not going to take any, you know, they're not going to, like, love Jordan Howard so much that they're going to uh, save a spot on the roster for him. They're just going to make him compete, see who's the best players, and make the roster as best as they can. Yeah, yeah so and I think... I'm sorry, Alex, I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to, to touch that point. I think this brings some good diversity to the, you know, some, some depth and diversity to the room for this running back core. I mean, you got a guy like Miles Sanders, who's an agile, speedy, just all around great player. Um, and then you got a guy like Howard who can bring it, um, you know, between the, between the trenches and, and really get in there. And then Johnson, obviously, with some injury history, um, you know, kind of brings that same sort of game, but also with a little more ag- uh, agility and, and some moves. So I think it creates a really interesting dynamic for this running back room. Well, there's a lot of different running backs now because we, we, we drafted Gainwell. I think a lot of people thought Gainwell has a chance to make the roster. You have, you have Scott, and now you have Johnson along with Howard. So you got like five guys who could realistically make the team. Alex, what do you think? What do you think all of a sudden done after training camp? What's going to happen with this running back room? Well, it'll be interesting to see who we take um, over Scott or Howard, but I would expect it to be Sanders, Gainwell, uh, Johnson, and I don't know if you guys know how tall Karrion Johnson is, but he does seem like he can hit the hole and be a, a third down back or a goal line back if we need him to be. So I think it would, at the end of the day, be Johnson takes over Howard's role because he can just catch. He can still run for elusiveness and power. And then um, you keep Scott maybe for special teams and um, just because he's that good. But and he's, and he's, yeah, and he's 23, which I found shocking to hear that he's only 23 years old. I feel like he's been in the league for a lot longer. Carry on Johnson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really does. Uh, what do you think about the draft class, Alex? Picks you like, picks you don't like, stuff like that? Um, overall, I liked it a lot. Um, and like hearing people around the league who aren't affiliated with the Eagles tend to really like it a lot as well. I think we've got some really good value picks. Um, of course, the only thing that concerns me is um, Landon Dickerson with the injuries. Um, but apparently, you know, um, I think Merrill Reese was talking to, you know, an orthopedic surgeon about it. And um, after you tear your ACLs, they get stronger. So he tore one in each now. So hopefully that's over and done. I'm He's hoping to. <laughs> that's some really good knowledge, Alex. Thanks for bringing that to the show. <laughs> no problem. And, and then, um, and then, what do you think about the later rounds? Anybody can make uh, an impact like round from four to seven. Well, of course, Kenneth Gainwell. That's yeah. I think that's a fan favorite, and that's a, just an overall great value pick. I think they were saying he was supposed to be um, like going round two, round three. So um, I think him opting out uh, was the only reason he uh, fell a little bit. So that's a great one. But then also. Um, Marlon Tui Pelotu, if I, if I said that right, um, in the sixth round, he, some of the Eagles guys and just people around the league had him also as a, a day two grade. Um, you know, of course, it's, grades always vary, but um, he might have some high upside or um, be able to be a run stuffer right away. No, I agree. All right, Alex, I still call man. I appreciate it, buddy. No problem. Yeah, and I agree. And I agree with the point about Kenneth Gaywell. It looks like he's going to be. 
he's, it seems like a, a, a fan favorite from the get go. And I know he put up, he skipped last year, obviously due to COVID, but in 2019, he was really good for Memphis. I think he's a guy who can come right in and make an impact, but adds interesting dynamic to the room, man, with, with Gainwell now in with, we well, yeah, Boston Scott. I, I never loved Boston Scott, but I don't think he's bad. So I definitely think he can, uh, you know, he returns kicks and stuff like that. And he's a third down back, but also, and, you know, uh, carry on Johnson. He's a physical guy and it's, it kind of mirrors Jordan Howard as well. So it adds a lot of competitive, uh, you know, it's going to add a competitive training camp, I, uh, I think, for the Eagles in a running back room. It really is, but I think you have to also consider with, you know, with all of these guys in the running back room, obviously, can you keep them all? And, and I don't know if you can. Um, you might have to put one on the practice squad and, and maybe Balsam Scott does special teams, but I think you do need a fourth back available just in case, you know, Gainwell and, and Sanders really get a lot of touches and, and, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we don't want this to happen, but if carry on Johnson, just with his history of injuries, I think you need someone there to back him up. And, and I, in my opinion, I think a, a Jordan Howard would be perfect because he kind of comes in and, and picks up where, where Johnson left off between the blocks and the tackles. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm interested to really see. And, and Gainwell, again, like you're saying, just a, a probably a steal in my opinion. Um, I'm really looking forward to see what he brings to this team. And, and all these young pieces around Jalen Hurts, he's the cornerstone. And, and it seems like they're moving forward with him. Um, and, and, I you know, I like it. I think this year not going to have huge expectations for this football team, but you're going to have a lot of young guys. Um, and, and hopefully these young guys come to the forefront and, um, you know, this team starts moving in, in the right direction here. Yeah, it does. And, and uh, we'll segue here into Flyers. Um, we have not been talking a lot of Flyers on the show for a little while and, and not very surprising that Flyers have been uh, pretty disappointing uh, for the whole season, but uh, it's really been, it's really been impressive uh, about, you know, it's it's really the, uh, where this team's going to be and where this team's going to go because it's going to be a huge offseason with the expansion draft and uh, with you know your veteran guys being one year older and and the, and the younger guys kind of taking a step back here. It's really just the uncharted waters of where this organization is going to go. But uh, as we're currently looking at the standings right now, with the Flyers, I mean they're you know, mathematically eliminated from the postseason, but they're slotted in the sixth spot in the tough Eastern Division. Uh, they're about what ten points above the Devils, are at the seventh spot, so that looks like they're going to be finishing right around the uh, sixth or maybe fifth spot. Uh, with, I believe, how many games left? I think there's two games left. They have a game, uh, their last real game of the year tonight in Washington against the Capitals after a win last night. And then also uh, they're going to be finishing up at home against the Devils on Monday, and that'll be their last game regular season. So so what's your opinion on where the Flyers are? And what do you think is the most, what's the first step in the offseason, the first big step this organization needs to make, uh, whether it's, you know, adding a player, getting rid of a player. What, what do you think? Where do you think Chuck Fletcher goes from here with the Flyers? I think the biggest thing is you got to get, you got to get Hart on the right track. You got to get his confidence back. You got to get him thinking he is the number one goalie. He's the future. He is the franchise cornerstone of this franchise and, and, um, or I'm sorry, the, the cornerstone of this franchise. I know I just double word it there, but anyway, the point of this is, is you really need Hart to be your best player next year. Obviously last season, he had an incredible season and in my opinion, a really good playoff run. Just just came up short against uh, the Islanders there, but I think you've really got to get this guy back on track. And I think the young players that you brought up this year, obviously Cam York getting his first taste of uh, NHL hockey in action the other day was big. I uh, got Wade Allison. He got a goal last night. I think he could be a good player for this team moving forward. Um, and and I really think you got to get. You know, AV has to get control of this locker room. And I think that was one of the biggest things this year. They really lost control. And, and I think it all starts internally. Um, obviously you want, you want to add big names. You want to make big trades. You want to sign big free agents, but you really got to get the team that you have in the room right now, which is a really good group. As we saw last year, um, you got to get them on the right track and you got to get this team moving forward, uh, in the right direction. So biggest thing for me is, is restore that confidence in heart. Um, and, and this team really needs Needs to build from the goaltender out, um, and and obviously the defensive core has to be visited. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think there's there's a lot of problems. I think with this team. The good thing is there's some younger guys that I think are playing pretty well right now. A lot of problems. Yeah, Wade Allison looked pretty good last night. Joel Farabee uh, leading the team in goals this year. That's one bright spot. I think for uh, with a lot of blemishes on a roster, I think he's one bright spot. Uh, but yeah, you got to address you got to address the defense. I think this offseason there has to be a better defense in front of Carter if you want to have success next. Year in his third year, I think you have to add some guys defensively. Uh, Proveroff will definitely be back. Um, I think Cam York uh, will be here next year starting. I think he's going to be a really nice player. I still think Sandheim's going to be a really good player. 
I'm still not losing hope on Phil Myers. I still like the intangibles. I still like the size, the speed. Uh, I know it was a really down year for him, but I still have a lot of confidence in his ability to play at an NHL level. Uh, and I think you're going to have to go out and get two veterans, two good veterans, too, and guys who can come right in and make an impact right away. Offensively speaking, I think that I don't know who's going to get selected for the expansion draft. Um, I think that JVR is an interesting name that could be. I think Jake Voracek is a name that could be. Nick Gobekubel is a name that could be as well. Um, you know, I think maybe, I know they extended Scott Walton, but maybe him, he's still not out of, of the waters yet of whether or not, I don't know if there's a no trade movement on his, on his contract. I, I say probably not, but, um, but th- that, there's just a couple of names I think that it may start from there as well. And, and the draft too. I mean, uh, you know, they drafted Tyson Forrester last year. He's actually been pretty good. I think he, he's, He's accelerating faster than I, I expected him to. I think he could he could maybe make an impact next year. I don't know if he's going to start on the roster, but he's a guy who could probably come up later in a year. He's a goal scorer and come in and, and, and put a big impact on, on the scoreboard. So, um, But you got to get some veterans who can come in and play. And, and I don't know whether or not – I think it was a down year for Kevin Hayes. Um, I think it was a down year for a lot of guys on his roster. So what, I don't know. What, I know everybody goes back to Claude Giroux and where he stands. He has one more year on his deal after this. So I think this is probably going to be the last year. Uh, after that, he probably won't sign any more long-term deals. I probably wouldn't sign no long-term deals. I'd do maybe one- or two-year deals if he still wants to stay here. But, uh, yeah, I think it starts with uh, – you know, the expansion draft and what are you going to do with these veterans of these big numbers that are not living up to the payday they're getting? Well, I think JVR is obviously the, the biggest target for the expansion draft here. And, and obviously that will free a lot of money. Yeah. And the year he's had was just remarkable. Um, in my opinion, they can take them. They can have them. Um, I just don't think he can replicate what he did this year. That's nothing against him. It's just the year he's had is, has I don't want to call it an outlier because he had some really good years in Toronto, but obviously he's on the, the back nine of his career. And, and again, like you said, money is the biggest thing for this team. And, and um, you know, if we could get that off the books or a Voracek off the books, that would be huge. But, you know, throwing it back to you, Connor, real quick, do you potentially with, with Giroux one year deal? I mean, I can't even believe I'm saying this, but do you think they would maybe leave him unprotected? I don't think they can because there's a no trade. He has a no, uh, he has a no movement no clause. Movement goals, that's so right. it's yeah. yeah. So they can't do that. I think he just plays his on his final year, or final year next year, and then they uh, they assess it when the time comes. Like, is, is, did he come off a good year? Do we try to sign him to a short term deal? Um, how does the team? How does the team do? They make the playoffs and they miss the playoffs, stuff like that. So I think that you know he's going to play one more year, and then they're going to figure it out from there. He'll be what? I might guess he'll be thirty four. Yeah, he's he's gotten up there. Yeah, so my guess would be by the time his contract done, he's thirty four. So, uh, and he's been slowing down for the past couple of years anyway. So I, I think that to get to the point of him and where this rest of the organization stands, I think that they're just going to let this year play out and go from there. Uh, but still, a lot of question marks. But I still, you know, and and I think it was really down. It wasn't just Carter Hart who took a step back. I think you know Connecty took a step back. A huge I, step back. Yeah, I think um, you know Noah Patrick. I didn't think he took a step back. I think he just really was just disappointing. Limblom. Took a step back, but I'll, I'll give him a pass. It's you know because you know uh, it is what it is with him, and I think that you know give him another off season to train and, and get into a better shape. I think he'll be okay. I think he's yeah. not a, he's not a great player, but he's going to be a, I think a really good player. I think that he's someone you can have in that middle you know second or third line that can play some valuable minutes. Um, you know, and I think that. You know, it's just, I think it all just starts with the goalie. I think that we are happy to finally have some goaltending and, and that can be reliable. And he's just had a really such a down year. I think that we saw it this year once he had bad goaltending. It's just hard for a team to have sustained any success throughout the regular season to be able to make a run for the playoffs. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still, uh, I'm very high on heart. I think he's very talented. I think, I think they had a really bad defense and he was just in his head this year. And I think that you got to give him the offseason to, to go back to the drawing board and do what he does best. And I think he'll be okay next year. Definitely got to bring in some defense, though, and ensure up that back end and make sure they're good to go for, for next year. But I don't think it's only Vigneault's fault. I think this year falls on the players, and it's just like you can't just blame the coach every year. I think that I've seen this before with the, the guys on the roster, and they just tend to do this, and it's it's frustrating. I think Flyers fans should be upset. I think they should be more upset than they are now, um, and I think they should demand more success out of this organization. It's been such a uh, – rod. Yeah. And going into this year, I think that a lot of people thought this Flyers organization was number one in the city. And, and if we st- take a step back now and look at it, I mean, I definitely would take the Sixers over them. Um, Phillies I, right now. I, I take the Phillies over them right now. Uh, <laughs> I take the Eagles over them right now, taking Devontae Smith. 
I mean, yes, I'd slightly take the Eagles above them. Pro- I mean, it's the thing. It's just, just no positives with this organization right now. There's really nothing I can look at to be like, I like that or I really like that. It's just. I mean, the only thing I will say a positive from this year, and, and this really isn't a positive if if you look at it from the standpoint you are from last year and the success they had and how deep they went in the playoffs. I guess this is not a positive in that sense, but some of the young guys they've given an opportunity to to come up this year. That's that's good to see. Is obviously with the expansion draft coming up and, and some of these older names on the roster are probably going to be departing in the next year or two. Um, I guess that's the only positive, but when you have the success you had last year and you make the playoff run and you have the regular season you had before the, the COVID pause, bringing up young players the next season after and missing the playoffs is not a positive at all. So um, I guess it's a, it's a positive negative in that sense, but um this team's really going to have to figure it out. And, and in, you know, Travis Konechny, 33 points this year, absolutely down year. Kevin Hayes, 32 points in 59 games, and, and he's making $7 million a year. Konechny's up around 5'6". So these guys are, are big, you know, big on the payroll, and, and they really need to step up next year, need to return to that form they were at last year. Um, and, and I don't think they can have a worse season than they did this year. Yeah, I'm hoping so, too. I think that maybe when the scheduling goes back to normal and the, and the seating goes back to normal, Eastern Conference, Western Conference playing everybody, I think it'll be a little more uh, you know, keen for, I think, the Flyers roster as well. I think playing all the Eastern opponents was not something that was not an advantage. It was more of a disadvantage. But before we go, all three teams will be playing tonight. Last night, they all got the win uh, for the first time since 2012, right? So they all did. First time they, since 2012. They all play again tonight, too. Uh, I believe, what, uh, Phillies in Atlanta, Flyers in Washington, and the Sixers at home against the Detroit Pistons. So predictions for tonight, Mark, all three. What, you, what do you want to do? Where, where are you going? What are you thinking? Oh, man, it hurts, dude. It's just... It's been too sweet, and I honestly think it's the reverse roles, and I think I, I don't see the Flyers winning. I don't see the Phils winning. Uh, I really want to see the Sixers beat a, a bad, bad Pistons team, but I think this is where they might drop one. So I'm going to go oath for three tonight on, on all Philly teams. Wow, you're pretty I'm going, down. I'm going down. I'm sorry. It's it's just been too high for, for Philadelphia. It never stays this good. I don't see the Sixers losing the Pistons. I'd still, I, even I, on a back-to-back, I don't I really see hope that. not, dude. Is I mean, Embiid in? He should. He, I think he's going to play. He says like they want that number one seed. He's going to play. So all right, I take that back. Then Sixers win. Uh, so I change your mind just like that. I'm Flyers, easy, Flyers, so. Phillies lose. All right, I, yeah, I think the, I think the Phillies lose too, and I think uh, I think yeah, I think the Flyers lose too. I just think the, you know the Phil the Flyers on the man. I just can't do them. I don't know. So all right, so that's going to wrap everything up here. I want to thank Brendan uh, Richardi who joined us at ten thirty talking Phillies. Thanks awesome all, interview. Yeah. yeah, thanks all the callers calling in as well. Uh, follow the Connor Mark Show on Twitter, Instagram at Connor Mark Show. Also, you can follow us on uh, or you can subscribe to our YouTube page as well uh, at Connor Mark Show to keep up with all our content as well. So thanks again. Uh, we'll see you guys next week.